Welcome back to another episode of Life with Lamb. I'm here with Sandy Gusses. Is it mm. Gusses? Wow, you said it properly. Yes. Fuck Good yes. on you. I love it. I, I feel like I never ask beforehand how do you pronounce your last name. So I'm That's very happy amazing. with that. That's amazing. Oh, no, I get everything but my actual like. What have you gotten before? Garcia. But it's. Gar- okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I think, yeah. Well, what is your background, if you don't mind me asking? Argentinian. I'm Argentinian. Born. Okay, cool. South cool, cool. American. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Sandy is a life coach and mentor. Yeah. And we've managed to connect through social media. Yes. Where else? Yeah. <laughs> In this time and age. Um, we've connected after Anthony's episode. Thank you, Anthony, for bringing in all these wonderful people. And you've been following my journey very, very closely. And I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, it's been a pleasure to watch you unfold because this is exactly what I live for, the journey. Absolutely. For the listeners and even myself as well, can you talk to us a bit about yourself? What do you do? What do you love? What do I love? I'm really passionate about helping people and inspiring people to bring out their best. I understand that we are on a journey and it's not necessarily about the destination, but as long as you have a goal in mind that you're heading in that direction. So I have a strong leadership background and decided that it was time to take it autonomously so that I could help people. And so I started my own business and I, a coaching business where I could help people. I've got a program, six-week program, signature, that is guaranteed to get you moving and taking action uh, in your life in any sector that comes up when we triage. We'll call it a triage. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, And it's one of those things I love the idea of, you know, inspiring people. That's why I share stories. I love chatting to people and getting to know them. It can be a very vague thing though as well. And in a world where the narrative is so structured, where Mm -hmm. things like high school and doing really well there Mm. is expected of you and going to university doing a really prestigious degree and graduating and entering the workforce, that is all bestowed upon you. Yes. Things like feeling inspired and finding your true self is often neglected. Um, can you yeah. talk to us a bit about that? That's actually a really good point because you're just told how to get a job or not even really. You're just given this education and it's almost – in this day and age, I feel like it's almost like a cookie-cutter approach education and it's because that we're so diverse now where we're not even just boys and girls where we could be anything and we've got we have so many races and so many cultural backgrounds that we just have this one set of education right now it's it, i know that it's evolved over time and it is moving with the times but you're right the in, being inspired part is not there this is where i step in to go when you finish school even, going, all right, what do I do next? Or if you're really good at something, you still need a coach. Amazing. I um, came from work today yeah. and I was chatting to a year 11 student who yeah. came in and bought some clothes and I was like, you know, how, how are you going? Like, how are you finding exams and everything? Mm. And she said, blankly and straight to the point, um, you know, I, school's not for me. I know this, but yeah. I'm trying my hardest and, yeah. you know, like I know I need to hit these scores and everything to go to uni, but I just know that school's not necessarily for me. Yeah. And that like broke my heart in a little, in a, in a way because I am reflecting back on my time in high school and my brother's literally finishing high school this year. Like, yeah. Incredible. Um, and yeah, the system is just so cookie cutter. 
and it's just not made for everyone. And it's unfortunate that people get just thrown into it, thrown out, and then expected to make a life for themselves and make a living. Yeah, and if I could um, point out that in my um, in my history or my in hospitality, we take in a lot of uni students, right? So when you're looking at a resume, particularly since COVID, you will not get anybody who's been in a job longer than six to two years. So if someone's been in a job, one job for two years, that's vintage today. Absolutely. I, I remember listening to um, people speak at networking events and yeah. webinars and those sorts of things where they actually value that longevity and not being um, too chop and change. But it's one of those things that is so hard to find these days because, mm. you know, people are always venturing out and exploring different things because they don't know what they want to do. But then this is this vintage aspect that you're looking for. How do you go about navigating that? Well, there, there, it, you just have to – I personally have always hired people with zero experience. So if you came to me and you've never poured a beer in your life, that's perfect because I, I can teach you that. <laughs> but if you can smile and you have a great attitude and you just want to show, show up to work, you're hired. And that is the basic requirement for me. The rest I can teach you. Absolutely. Sandy, can you dive into your educational background for us? Um, mm-hmm. What was your life like you know, so as a young person? So I went through all the – I started off in did all kindy, primary school, went to two different primary schools, went to one high school and then did some TAFE for hospitality and then my career was really hitting off. So basically in terms of education, it was your cookie cutter because that's what my parents were told that's what you do. You put them in the – in the kindergarten and my mum was hesitant about that. She didn't want me to go because she was attached to me. But she said it was good for me to learn English because I didn't know English. I remember seeing a clip on your Instagram that, yeah, yeah you didn't know English when you first started. So, yeah, do you mind diving into yeah, I'd love that to. and how that impacted your life, especially growing up in Australia where English is a predominantly spoken language? Yeah, I'd love to. I actually spoke about this with my mum last week because I'd love to hear her perspective on it. So I was really I was four years old, and they said, you know the 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 you know the nurse said they said you've got to take her to school. She's got to learn English because you've got to prepare her for primary school. So I did that, but I had to make friends with my personality, and that's what my mum said. Like there's still a language of love without having to speak and use your words somehow. And so my mum said I was really popular amongst the. The, like the teachers and then when I went to primary school I helped out people who were ESL in Spanish and so then I developed a reputation for helping people already at a very at a very young age that's incredible I love I love that so much <laughs> and there's like such a beauty in being able to communicate with like facial expressions body language mm. things that are non-verbal as well like there's so much that goes beyond just your words. Yeah. I know words are such an impactful thing in today's day and age, but yeah, I remember vividly going to um, my host family in Japan and being able to interact uh, in a way, obviously there's broken Japanese being spoken and a little bit of broken English as well, but yeah. the body language and the love and the passion that was there was so like apparent and you could feel like the energy from it. Because you can build rapport with people without using your words, which is one of the studies that I have, which is NLP, Neuro Linguistics Programming, is about that using your rapport, your body language and your words um, to establish rapport with people. 
So I would have done it as a in as a very young well I did as a young little girl somehow I made friends and I managed to to get through absolutely but it's not something that you're necessarily taught so subconsciously you're enacting these characteristics or behaviors can you talk to us about um when maybe it started to click that you were like hey like this is the way that I communicate and connect with people I think it's my mum always said to me that I was real. she it's funny like what you get ingrained in when you're when you're little and she, I'd always hear her and, and people, parents, your kids listen to what your parents say, right? And I would Absolutely. hear my parents and I'll be hearing my mum would say, she's so intelligent. She's so intelligent. So I grew up going, I'm intelligent. So I was just always known, thought that I was intelligent because that's what my mum said I was, but I didn't even know what that meant. Whether I was really friendly or I had a great personality, I was always smiled. I heard my mum talk about me and my dad talk about me like this all the time. So at a young age, though, that was already establishing my who I was without even realising. And as I've grown up, that's who I've become. So I still have, yes, I'm very intelligent. I can be really, you know, <laughs> goofy as well, like I'm super goof, 100%. But I always love smiling and I always love having a good time. So I've always had that ever since I was a child and really capitalised on it because uh, it, I got a reaction out of it. I made friends. Sometimes people didn't like me and that was confusing. And even as an adult, it was confusing, but I've figured it out now. But throughout my adult years, wondering why people don't like me was a big question mark. Hmm. You f- say you figured it out. <laughs> Do you mind expanding on that? It's called projection. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. People will actually admit their fears to you through their actions. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with oneself. Talk to us a bit about that. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. Like, I, you work hospo, I work retail, mm-hmm. um, and you can just see. Same, the, same, but different. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You can just see some people who walk through those doors and they are just livid at a piece of clothing. Or in your case, maybe a drink. Um, I food. have been, I've been called some really nasty names. Yeah. Just because I've had to say, hey, that's enough now in terms of we call it cutting it off, cutting people off. I don't necessarily call it that. We just say you've just had enough. And people generally don't take that very well. Some people do, but generally when they get to a point, their inner child comes out and it's the one that's getting told off by a parent. Absolutely. And that's where you have to treat it as if, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with a small child in an adult's body. So therefore you tread carefully and you don't stoop, you know, to the level that they're projecting. And it's nothing about you. It's because that's their version of their coping mechanism of how to deal with it. And because that's not your coping mechanism, certainly isn't mine to hurl abuse or to insult anybody. I can't go to that level. Like I physically, like mentally, emotionally, I cannot go to that level. That's just not in me. That is not my coping mechanism. So therefore there is, plus I'm sober. Even if I was, well, yeah. So it's a really unfair fight. Absolutely. But I think to even put it in a retailing context, it's like people who walk in through the doors and still hurl abuse. And it's like, they're not even under the influence. Oh yeah, of course. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, I, I, I don't understand how people go to that length or channel so much anger over a piece of clothing okay so it is definitely because they're they're just 
reasons to get upset. So there's always like underlining issues that will affect them and then you could just be the straw that breaks the camel's back and it wouldn't take much. And so therefore they react and they take it out on on you, hoping that you will react and feed into that pain, that fear and that anger so it can help them deal with it because they're used to dealing with chaos and it comes out. So it's just projection. Mm. And all you can say is they're just doing the best that they can with what they've got. And someone will treat you the way as far as the way they've been healed. Wow. I actually, I've never heard that before. I love that. Yeah. So if you've been, if you're a healed person, you will treat someone in that way. So someone who is not healed will only treat you to the level that they've maxed or learnt in their healing process within themselves. Incredible. So, I love that analogy so much. Or just way of thinking about things as well. How do you handle yeah. projection like that? You know, it's obviously not in your, I guess, like, what am I trying to say? It's not your responsibility to necessarily jump in and necessarily like, fix this person. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's, how well, that's do you right. handle it? Exactly. So there's two things that happen. First of all, my ego has a bit of a laugh. <laughs> You're a yeah. dickhead, right? My higher self, though, goes, that person needs help, but I'm not that person to help it, help that person. And that's how I deal with it. That's for their healing. It's not my responsibility, but I can control how I react. I'm in control of those actions, of how I react to something. And with that being said, this is where mental toughness comes in. And at sliding the coach, this is where I come and help empower people. I love it. Mm. how do you go about doing that and i know i think it gets to a point where it's like well yeah it's not my responsibility to handle people who are projecting um onto me or or at me um but when does it sort of become like enough and and when should you start to seek help and um i guess having people like yourself step in and helping yeah i just tell you've just got to teach uh treat everybody as if they were a lesson everyone is an avatar carrying a lesson Every situation is a lesson. You must seek the lesson because make it about you and less about them. So you just basically use that as a mantra. Make this about you, what you can learn from it, and less about them. If you focus on them or the situation at hand that's going on, you are really robbing yourself of a lesson. And you know what? The lesson will come and revisit you. The person will come and revisit you, whether it be an ex-boyfriend, an ex-girlfriend, um, a job loss, a bully, it'll come back to you in a different form. When you peel back the situation, the feelings are still the same that you might feel, you know, betrayal, sadness. Yeah, there's so many different feelings that you take the situation away, you take the feelings and it'll come up in different situations. Mm. It'll just keep repeating itself to you understand it and that's how I come in and help you and that's how I help people navigate through that. Give me any situation, Jaden, and I will unpack it for you and reframe it for you and then you'll look back and go, thank God that happened to me. You sound like a psychologist or a therapist. Is there like a, a difference between There's life massive. coaching yep. and that I, domain? I'm really glad that you actually asked this because there is. So a psychologist is someone that you see regularly for past traumas and past things that have happened. With a counsellor, for example, is something that's happening to you right now in this situation. It be someone you lost a job or you broke up with a girlfriend or somebody died. It's something in the present. What a coach does is moves you forward to the next level. All right. So do you like sport? I do. Tennis? 
Don't play tennis. I'm a power but lifter. You're a power lifter. All right, but do you ever watch tennis? I'm just going to use I tennis. I do watch Ten- tennis, Do you yes. have a favourite player at all? Let's say... Um, it's, I, I don't know. Nadal? Yeah, let's go Nadal. Or Federer? Yeah, let's go Federer. I was going to say Federer, but he's retired. Federer and Nadal doesn't matter. So you've, okay, you know they're sure. arguably the best tennis players in the world, would you not say? like Absolutely. Anybody on this planet knows who they are. So anyone listening to your podcast, we're not. I'm not taking you back to the ages. <laughs> Everyone will know who they are, right? Absolutely. They're the best players in the world, right? Yep. So why do they have coaches? True. Why do they call it a coach's box? Who's sitting in that coach's box? It's uh, Yeah, they're family, friends, their entourage is there. But who's the one person they're looking back at and, you know, they work with that one person so they can level up. But still the best players in the world, yet still they use a coach. Incredible. So if you're doing really well, Jaden, in your life, which no doubt you are, you should still have a coach because you can get someone to level you up and have someone in that coach's box cheering you on so you have that one person. Absolutely. That's, that's who I am. That's who you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's who I am. I come in and I am your biggest cheerleader mm. because I want to see you move forward. If you can do better than what you did yesterday, then that's a win for both of us. Your success becomes my success and that is my approach to coaching and mentoring. Brilliant. Very altruistic. Uh, I've never heard like that definition of a coach. Yeah, like it's such a – popularized term at the moment that's being thrown around Saturated. It's like, i'm yes. a life coach you know i'm 20 x years old and i'm a life coach uh, six figures yeah he's like how to make six, <laughs> six figures yeah six figure coach yeah so lots of um things being thrown around and and i love how you sort of debunk the the idea or the saturation or the misconception surrounding coaching yeah, yeah. um because yeah it's one of those things where i'm like yeah i'm getting a coach on the podcast but then what does a coach do yeah um, it's one of those terms that's being used quite frequently now. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Has it always been coaching? I know the preface of Life with Lamb is um, doing something that you love. Mm. Um, and it surrounds itself around the education system and the narrative mm-hmm. and what people project onto you as to something that you should be doing. Yeah. Ha- was it always coaching from the beginning? No, I didn't even know what, what it was until like last year. I didn't even know that it was a thing. I thought I'd be a mentor, which I am because I can still mentor around the things that I'm experienced in and that's what mentors are, like they have experience in that particular sector or whatever it is so they can advise because they've been through it. And then with the coaching, I didn't know know what it was until I started going to college and I went, oh, you don't give people advice, okay. Oh, you don't tell people what to do, okay. But I'm, I've been in a position where I, I lead and I help people. And I, that's because I've got experience in it. So this is totally different. And I'm like, all right. So then I had to learn literally something new. So then I fell in love with that because it's still aligned with my beliefs and values of helping people move forward. Because mm, we go back to the themes of um, you as a kid in kindergarten. Yeah. Helping people, helping the um, ESL students yeah. as well. Um did you ever consider, you know, like nursing, you know, like the stereotypical oh. things that you start getting exposed to during primary school, high school? No. No? No, I wanted to be a lawyer because I liked law shows. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I still like my law shows. <laughs> and I would make – I actually uh, did represent myself this year. So I lived that dream. 
then that's done with. Okay, that's done. <laughs> so it's in done the can, with. In the can. Yeah, I can say yes. I've I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but never again. No, thank God, no, it will okay. never happen again. But I can help people if they <laughs> they want to if represent want. themselves. So you say like you know you've done you've done it all and everything. When did it? I guess like you you mentioned how you found coaching last yeah. year. Is that sort of when it all clicked? Yeah, it slowly, slowly started to click mm. once I. Uh, decided that I wanted to do it and realised, okay, this is for me. I had the conversations and then I got to watch um, some of the videos before I actually went into like my first um, like face-to-face learning class situation and I was placed in a classroom situation which I haven't been in the classroom for a really long time and I, and I loved it and I just remembered how much I loved going to school. Like I really enjoyed it. I have really fond memories of school. Mm. So – did you ever go to university after no. high school? Okay, no, because cool. my my hospitality career started to take off because my leadership was quite prominent. So I was able to start moving up and I thought, well, why would I go to university when I'm already doing the job and learning on the job from my, from my mistakes as well as like my triumphs? Mm. So then I just went, okay, just took over. I fell in love with making the money, then fell in love with the social side of it, the friendship side of it and everything that hospitality had to offer. And it was a really great time for me. So it was – I even worked on a resort in Queensland, Club Med. Um, they were a resort, change, resort chain. And even doing that was – that was absolutely amazing, doing the tourist, tourist side of hospitality as well. I love it. Yeah. I've interviewed um, Arman very good podcast he was a um barista or he is a barista he's traveling london at the moment looks like he's living his best life but he speaks about how hospitality you know it's one of those jobs that you can clock in do your job sort of clock out after and that's like that's it nothing's sort of reoccurring obviously as you get into leadership positions maybe that starts to expand a bit more and more yeah um but is that what made you fall in love with hospitality just the fact that i could lead and i had influence and when I realised that I had in influence and it wasn't perfect throughout my whole career, like I had to learn along the way because I did get caught up in, you know, some not so great situations that uh, challenged my development, but I learnt from them. And over the years I've been able to refine my leadership style and now I have a very unique leadership style that I'm really proud of. Incredible. And, yeah. So I guess you gravitate towards around like influence and, and leadership and mm-hmm. those traits, yeah. a lot of people shy away from leadership. Okay. Is it something that, um, well, it is innate in you, obviously, with, yeah. like, the helping and the altruism. But, yeah, like, did you naturally gravitate towards those leadership positions? Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And for someone who doesn't necessarily like taking that ownership or doesn't like being in sort of, like, the spotlight, do you have any advice for um, people who are struggling to find the courage to step into those positions if they wanted to? If it's someone that wants to do it, yes, I can definitely help them. If it's someone that straight out says, no, that's not for me, then you can't flog a dead horse. You really can't. It's got to be someone who can do it. You've got natural born leaders, but then you've got people who you can definitely develop. I am very proud to say that I have developed quite, you know, some quite really good leaders and that started off with just saying, oh, I just, I want to be a manager. I'm like, no, you can be a manager. You've got manage, you've got certain skills. We just need to exploit them and you need to go through the ringer and you need to make the mistakes and we need to lift you up and go and really highlight your strengths, but also find your opportunities 
you know, for success. It's not opportunities of looking for weaknesses or anything like that. I don't look for that. I look for opportunities to grow. And when I'm taking on that approach, it's all a positive journey rather than it being negative. Hmm. And you mentioned sort of natural born leaders. Is that something that you believe in? Do you feel Uh, like you're... like they are only naturally born leaders or can you create leaders? You can create leaders. Oh, yeah. No, you can create create leaders. But And it's a shame when people don't lead and they have got those natural abilities because they doubt themselves. And that will just come from their environment, what they've been told when they're young, um, being affected by bullies and so forth. And so that's – once again, this is where I swoop in and go, who's told you this? Who said that you can't do this? You can absolutely do this. Mm. Um, can you share any specific experiences where – you maybe oh yeah can you share any specific experiences from the hospitality industry yeah um that sort of influenced you in a way that changed your leadership style and then potentially changed you to pursue mentoring and coaching yeah it was definitely oh um i would say that covid was a big one because it was a lot of downtime to think about things and I thought I, I left it for a little while, my a leadership role, and then just decided to go back in as sort of like an entry level, even though I had been like a venue manager. But I thought, no, I don't want to go in there just yet. I'll just dip my toes in the water and see what it's like. And, of course, I just got sucked in, <laughs> but not sucked in because I was manipulated. It was like no, I was just drawn to it. Like, no, I, I can do more. Like... And I just started to develop this mindset, this mental mindset. And I'm like, I can do this differently. I can take every single lesson that I have learned, every single person I have ever worked with, good and bad, and just pick it apart, learn it, and then really incorporate it to develop my own style, establish how I want to come across, what the importance of leadership is for me, and then I'm going to present it. And I'm going to be consistent with that with every single person that I come across. So they're always going to get the same thing everywhere I go and that's when I started to do that and I'm like this is who I am so I don't have to be like a chameleon like oh I've got to be nice to this person or like oh I've got to you know watch what I say here don't leave crumbs keep it really consistent really authentic really honest and I felt that now that's happened to me I've just tied it all in together with my coaching and going that's it this is who I am and I'm really proud of it and if you don't like it well that's that's fine I'm really okay with that that's really good thank you now you can be gone and I can keep going. <laughs> and then you become a magnet and you start to attract the right people, mm. you know. And then you don't have to worry about being, you know, putting up a facade because I feel good about myself now. Because I didn't. Okay. Let's talk about when you didn't. Yeah. And sort of the transition or the juxtaposition between when you didn't to now. Yeah. What's that been like? That's probably been this year when I, I didn't realise that I didn't like myself, probably last year. And it's something that I discovered through my learnings in the college. And I didn't realise that I didn't like myself. I thought that I did. I've got good self-esteem. But I didn't realise that I didn't like myself. Can you t- talk to us a bit deeper <laughs> yeah. about like – because, you know, self-esteem and actually liking yourself is – Completely different. It is. So too is working out, looking really good, but having shitty mental health as well. Yeah, that's right. To put it into like gym terms as well. Like Mm -hmm. there are a few gym gym listeners there. Like you can be one of the strongest people ever, be doing really well at like your sport or something, but still consider yourself 
incredibly yeah. horrible and like hate yourself for it. This is where projection comes in. And when I realized that I was really sensitive to bullies and I'm starting to go, I check myself into victimhood, hotel, motel, holiday inn. Why are these people doing this to me? Bullies, bullies, bullies. Why? And then upon reflection, when I went through some situations, I just went, it's because I'm a bully to myself. I'm the bully. I'm micromanaging myself. I hate that. So that's why I can see micromanagement. My self-talk is not very nice. That's why I know when someone's talking badly about me or talking behind my back because I'm not being true to myself. And that's how I flipped it and went, that's it. I am the problem here, not them. So I was making the avatars the reason why, once again, focusing on them, not what was going on with me. So that was probably like in the last 12 months, particularly January, February, March was when it really flipped. Incredible. And what what has been like the noticeable difference, would you say? How happy I am. Yeah. How okay. fulfilled I am. Even on a crappy day, even when shit is going down, when I'm in a shit storm, I, my mental toughness is is just on point. But it's a working progress. It really is. It's not something that... Um, that I just have, like, oh, I'm mentally tough, a bit like you're working out. Just because you work out doesn't mean that you're going to be strong your next session. In fact, you probably won't be as weak, might be weaker, but then the following, in two weeks' time, you'll lift even even more because it's consistent, right? It's consistent work. So I am doing what you're doing but in my mind all the time so that I can help service people mm. to, do, to do the same. So I take you to a mind gym. Basically. I love it. And I guess you mentioned like being passionate about helping people yeah. uh, reach their full potential yeah. and forward forwarding them into the future as a coach. What do you think is the most common obstacle that people face in themselves that is inhibiting them from achieving their self-talk self? would say would, yeah, their self-talk, not realizing that they don't um, have very good self-talk. Uh uh, they're lacking confidence in creating a positive mindset. I'm not about, and I've mentioned to this before about, I'm not sunshines, lollipops and rainbows, positive mindset coach. I'm like, strengthen your mind so that you can go through certain situations, but still see the beauty in life by having, you know, some really good core beliefs, like, you know, practicing gratitude. You know, I'm always, always looking for gratitude everywhere, sitting here, Right now with you, I have got so much gratitude in my heart that it wouldn't even matter what I was going through out of these walls, that the gratitude in my heart is just exploding. So therefore, I'm content and I'm fulfilled and I'm not distracted by whatever's going on the outside. But you'd never know. But not that I'm hiding it, it's just because I'm looking for opportunities to be grateful. And it could be just the fact that I drove here in the car that I worked money for you know, worked for, put petrol in, and here I am. There's there are opportunities that I may have never had had, you know, I hadn't been given the opportunities to come, you know, live to Australia. Mm. What my life could have been could have been very different. Absolutely. Did you so you talk about how you projected about or your projection was bullying and yeah. um self doubt yeah. or self belittlement as well. Did yeah. that come from um uh, childhood experiences like did you face bullying as a kid 
yeah, uh, bullying as a kid, uh, bullying through high school, and then bullying as an adult, and bullying in the workplace. Mm. And it comes in many shapes and forms, so it's not necessarily even just being called names. It can be anything from being ostracised, ignored, talked about, backstabbed. How did you navigate? Mind your- games. Yeah. <laughs> How did you navigate your way out of it? Um, not that I know of many situations that people might be going through, but... You know, um, you never know what can happen. Unresourcefully, to be honest, in unresourceful ways, which is probably talking about someone behind their back and not actually acting upon what's going on. So now I'm more resourceful. So if something's going on, I act upon it in a way that is resourceful and has like a long-term a goal, long-term impact mm-hmm. rather than hiding behind the wall and just going, you know, bitching about it with someone basically. So, yeah, definitely bitched about situations, bitched about people, because I didn't have courage and I was afraid and I was scared and it's just unresourceful. So I was basically getting the same result over and over again. Was it an overnight success? How do you build up this courage to be able to enact upon? You just have to keep practicing because it's not always perfect Mm. because you're going to get tested from the universe. I got very big tests at the start of the year and I didn't pass. (laughs) Do you find elaborating? <laughs> didn't pass. <laughs> didn't pass. I uh, and I played the blame. Oh, I didn't play the blame game. I used my mental toughness to go. This is about me learning the lesson, even though I was feeling incredibly emotional and incredibly sad and feeling like I was a victim in the story. But I was really determined to make sure that I was not the victim in the story. That I actually worked really hard and I held my head very high when I left a position in the corporate world and then moving down the track the same kind of attitude was bestowed upon me and I was able to act in a way that was with grace and a way that protected my energy and set a very clear boundary of how I wanted to be treated which I had never set before Hmm. so therefore it will happen again to me, I will get this lesson, but I probably won't notice it as much because I've practiced it. So you've got to let it happen to you and it, eventually it happens and you won't even notice. And it could be any, yeah, it could be anything. I don't know. So it's not like I'm anticipating it. I just know that I've got confidence now because the universe will just send you the tests to see if you can overcome. And it's not about the people that do it. I can only thank them and I only think really good thoughts for them as well. True. I I want to discuss this sort of topic about victimhood and and um, mm. the why me question as well. Yeah. You speak pretty strongly about it and yeah. uh, really shifting the focus from other people to inwards. Yeah. Why is that? What's inspired or influenced this way of thinking? Because I've because I've managed to overcome it. I want to be able to help people overcome that victimhood as soon as you say i can't believe this is happening or why me or make an excuse whoever you blame is who or what has control over you and when you start thinking that you go well i like to be in control so how do i get my control back don't blame the person don't blame the situation blame yourself get yourself up and take a look at yourself and what can you change in this situation you don't have, can, you can't control them, and that's how you control. Start to take control of your mind. So look at who you blame, <laughs> and that, everyone. and that is who controls you. 
And then you'll be like, I don't want to be controlled. 100%. Who wants to, who, who openly goes, control me? Well, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it depends what situation. <laughs> yes. Give it whatever you're into. I don't know. But yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> We, we really went down that way. Okay, no, I love that. I love that so much. Because um, I think, yeah, I know people who, who yeah, always put the blame, shift the blame on something else. It's like, why me? Oh, I'm so unlucky. Like, I couldn't I couldn't think of anything worse. Like, I'm putting, you know, what, it's so unfair. Um, why is this person doing this to me? Why, why is this happening to me? So, yeah. It happens for uh, you so you can learn. Don't go back there. Don't do that. Don't order that coffee that the person burnt for you. Instead of blaming the person who made it, like, is a really loose example. Like, if you're like, oh, I went to – just don't go there. Give it another go. They do it again. I'm like, that's your fault if you keep going there. Go somewhere else mm. and then just learn from that experience. And that's a very loose example. But apply that principle to – many areas of your life and you stop putting the blame and all of a sudden you've got to start standing up and representing for yourself and that's tough work. This is where self-development really comes into play and that's where I come in to help you because it's it's messy because <laughs> everyone's a mosaic of different cultures, backgrounds and so forth. So pains come from different areas. Mm. I want to jump back again to yeah. sort of like education, hospitality mm. and this – idea of you jumping into the corporate world for a slight stint yeah what was that like what inspired you to move from the hospital industry into the corporate world did you feel like you weren't achieving as much in the hospitality industry mm. what inspired it it was still linked with the company i was working with so it's just a position that came up and it gave me opportunity to work remotely uh, from home so it would ultimately help me with uh, my lifestyle and my coaching business. So I thought I would have the flexibility. And in the end, I just wasn't cut out of it. And I, I pretty much left with saying, you can take the girl out of the pub, but you can't take the pub out of the girl. And that's pretty much how I finished up. And it had nothing to do with anybody other than that, like my personality, my vibrancy, my light isn't made for the corporate world even though I try to make it work because I thought it would suit me. Mm. But what, just- what was the telltale sign? Um, because I have, I have not worked corporate, but mm. the idea of it just like, I, I don't know, I can't put anything to it or against it, but it's just yeah. like I don't want to do it. Like yeah. I feel so strongly about it. But yeah. what was something that's really stood out to you that was like, okay, this is like not made out for me? It's... And I don't want, you know, I don't want to talk, this is my perspective, so I don't want people to think that the corporate world is is a bad thing by any means. It just didn't suit my personality. I was, hey, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm hype woman at work, you know. And when you're in corporate, you are more serious and you can't show emotion and I'm emotional. Like when I would get upset, yes, I cry. Or when I get really happy, I'm really happy. I love to have a joke. I say cheeky things corporate world that's I had to start really um managing my state I had to really start compromising who I was and when I had to start compromising myself it was one second too much and it didn't align it didn't feel right nothing against corporate world for me personally we just the 
the jigsaw puzzles just didn't go. And I was trying. I thought, no, I can make this work. I can, and I was like, I can make this work. I can make anything work. It's me, you know, like I'm confident. And I was like, no, it just brought me down so many pegs, brought me to my knees and really pretty much put me rock bottom. And I was there <laughs> at the bottom and, yeah, eating a massive, massive piece of humble pie. Can you talk to us about a specific moment that stood out to you that yeah. really triggered this feeling? Because you sound like someone who, yeah, is this confident, um, yeah. exuberant person who, yeah, is very emotional and expresses themselves very well. Yeah. What's it like to be pegged down a few notches? A lot, it was a lot of notches. I was, it was not that I wanted to be like treated like I was the best person in the world or I just wanted to be treated like who I was and it just didn't translate into the corporate, into that corporate space, which was really surprising considering the section that we were looking after. And there was a, a couple of very clear moments where I felt very emotionally destroyed my mental health was really challenged and I went into acute depression very, very quickly, very quickly. Mm. Uh, but I still went to work every day, still attended. And it was even though I knew I would maybe get picked on for something, micromanaged for something or the goalposts would keep moving for me. And I have to say that I'm so grateful all of that happened. I'm so glad that that happened I am really grateful to the people in, the, in that moment, in the moments that I enjoyed there because if it, if everything stayed the way that it was and everything was fine and I flourished in that position, I would not be sitting with you here today. I would not be the coach that I am today and the mentor that I am today had that not happened. And that's why I say that situations are just avatars, they're messages from the universe because if you don't get the message that, of what you're supposed to do in your life, the universe will send you a big slap across the face and it said, bitch, seriously, get out of there. So I'm going to make it so uncomfortable for you and you're going to hate it and you might even hate the people while you're there and that's what it did. And I just went, okay, I'm out to live my truth. Got it. Noted. <laughs> Noted. I had a good conversation with one of my coaches and uh she said that she goes sometimes the universe will send you a text message sometimes the universe will give you a call sometimes the universe will come down and put hands around your neck go you need to feel so much pain to make change to understand what your truth is so Mm. what just wasn't meant to be there is it one of those things where you know you have to wait for it to happen like in a reactive sense or are there ways to sort of pick it out before it becomes too dire you know like we as young people and majority of the people listening are quite young and entering that stage of their life where career choices are so prevalent Mm -hmm. um these big decisions that you're meant to start making and, and establish yourselves in the world um that's all happening around us you know sometimes we don't want to make the wrong choice and we don't want to um make that mistake and have to figure it out the hard way. Are there ways to pick, uh, to pick it out early? Make the mistake. Make the choice. Any choice is a choice. Everything you just said. You don't want to make a mistake. Why? Because you fail. You will learn. You need the failures. If I didn't have that big failure, I never would have learned. So it's not that you can't pick it. You have to make a choice. Absolutely. I think um, I, f- I forget who told me this. No, 
Anya, and the episode hasn't released at the time of recording, but um, I think her dad said to her, if you're going to make a decision, make the right decision or make it the right decision as well. And the way that I interpreted it or the way that she interpreted it as well was being able to pivot, um, even if it is the quote unquote wrong decision, just make it the right decision. Um, How can you make another decision on top of that to um, fix it? Yeah, when you get backed against the wall, you will find a way to get out. I just listened to your podcast with Sammy. She was backed against a wall in another country and she still made it work because she had the eyes on the prize. And if you know, I'm sitting here because there was nothing stopping me from sitting here in this chair with you. I said to you, there is nothing when you have your eye on something. So make a decision about something you're passionate about, live with intent, live with purpose, and then that will help ultimately you make decisions and choices. It doesn't matter whether they're right or wrong because you're going to learn. Live with the mindset that you're going to learn whether it's right or wrong. And a really good book about this is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. I don't know if you've heard Matthew McConaughey's a – I Holly- feel like that name rings a bell. He's a Hollywood actor. He yes. was actually on Magic Mike. Okay. And he was the voice of um, uh, Buster Moon on Sing <laughs> as well, the cartoon. <laughs> Tell I got kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, so – He's got like this really beautiful Texan voice. So I listened to the audio of that and he talks about green lights. And I'm like, oh, this is, I'm not sure about the title about this, but green lights actually represents traffic lights. So the green lights are when everything's going cruisy. Because if you don't get a red light, if you don't get an amber light, you cannot learn. Sometimes you need to stop, you need to be stopped so that you know whether you're going to, you need to concede or you need to keep going. So that's what green lights are. So catching, this is me catching a green light right now. See what happens from here for me. If not, I pivot, you know, or like you say, you know, we just all concede. But I sometimes you do have to concede. Like in my case at the start of the year when I had to decide that not to stay in corporate, I had to concede my stop sign had come. Mm, it wasn't a green light. <laughs> 100%. Um, and I, I guess like your story has – um, surrounded the hospitality scene and, and that all worked out really well for you. Yeah. I want to talk about your parents and, and that idea of conceding to their expectations upon you. How are they with the idea of you pursuing hospitality full-time and not attending university? You know, like it's such a big conversation that is had and such a normal conversation now especially with the amount of students that are coming into university mm. like was was there ever points in time whether it was your parents or whether other students looked down on you for the fact that you didn't go to university mm, if they did i didn't really <laughs> i feel like, like yeah, yeah, you're like, the type of person who would not care <laughs> anyway. no i don't really care what people think like ultimately my parents are workers okay so they came to Australia with no English, so they had to start, you know, uh, they used to call it uh, have a part-time job where they used to clean the offices because my mum didn't speak English, my dad didn't speak English. So they had to get like low-level entry jobs to get started. So the fact my dad just – all he wanted me was to finish year 12. He goes, just finish year 12. I, and I got the certificate and my brother who is where the cookie cutter approach to school was not for him. He was tradesman. And his best subject was woodwork <laughs> and became a builder. So can you imagine? Why would he finish year 12? Like he started his apprenticeship too late because my dad put that pressure of finishing year 12 because it was so important because they didn't. I was the academic and my brother wasn't. So it, it made sense for me. I finished it 
and I was now I've got it so I've got the certificate I'm like now what so there was no expectation it was like all right now you can go to work I wasn't allowed to have a job when I was in school because he's he was brought up with you either work or you go to school so he chose to work so he, that's why he didn't finish school and so he brought that value into our home you want a job uh, but he wanted me to finish school so he can't have one so I was not allowed to have a part-time job until the day I finished high school and my ceremony and he gave me a mobile phone it was a big deal back then <laughs> I'm showing my age now yes <laughs> yeah what do you because, mean don't you get a phone in year seven or something <laughs> or year six year six now end of year 12 it was like a big thing <laughs> gave it to me in front of everybody at graduation at the church at the chapel it was so funny and he goes well now you can get a job I'm like oh because you're going to have to pay for this. It was really nice. It was a really beautiful moment. <laughs> but that's when I went, all right, I'll just, that's when I started hospitality. I'm like, well, what can I do? And then I just went into hospitality. That's where it started. Mm, love it. How has that impacted the way that you've gone about raising your kid? Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I definitely have instilled quite a lot of independence into him because I'm getting him ready for the, for the world so that he's ready. So he knows how to have a good attitude in terms of when I ask him to do certain tasks and chores, I said, you know, you're going to get delegated from a boss when you have jobs. So you need to be able to go and say, yes, I will do this. But not, not only that, you'll do it and you'll go above and beyond so that you can stand out, so you can be a leader. So they're the kind of things that I'm instilling to him, how to be a good employee because then he'll know what the expectations are and what to expect from other people as well as he becomes a leader. So yeah, definitely incorporate that into my um, into my parenting, hundred percent. Absolutely, dude. Parenting scares the shit out of me. I'm yes. not gonna lie. Yeah, I heard you say this in the oh, scares me so this, much. This actually, when you were saying this in the podcast, I was listening this morning. I was walking my dog and I was like going, "Yeah, okay, I have so much fun with parenting. Like, <laughs> I, really? maybe I'm, maybe I'm blessed. Uh, you know, I, I you know because I am so grateful. I also have a stepdaughter as well. They're both the same age, mm. and we. Me and my fiance have instilled so much independence into our kids and the secret is that we don't have tech in our home. So they don't use tech. Oh. So they not because it's a rule you're not allowed to use it, it's because we have really enforced them using their creativity to find something to do. Play a board game, play cards, Lego, play with a dog. Why else would you get a dog if no one's gonna play with it? so the dog gets looked after. The other day that it was quiet, I went, what are they doing? And we're playing Snakes and Ladders. Like Snakes and Ladders, like such a... Snakes and Ladders. Yeah. Amazing. But they're playing a game. So how many skills come out of that? How many attributes? It's learning how to have a conversation with someone, being competitive, learning how to find something out of the box rather than reverting to tech. So it's not that they... They're on it all day long at school anyway. My son has to take the iPad to school every single day and then he's like he might go and you know what he goes oh this is me say oh you know could really use some learn some spanish i'm like yeah and he goes and he wanted to go on duolingo i'm like hey you want to learn spanish how about you call your abuela up she'll teach you some spanish oh yeah yeah i'm all right. okay not that he's going to call his abuela his grandma but like you want to learn spanish you can learn from someone who speaks it mm. before you go on the ipad like i beautiful that it's got the tool and everything be resourceful out of that because it's just a default because it's very new to our this generation. Even for me, iPhone addiction and all that is really prevalent, like you say. So how do I teach 
the kids so that they can still find their creativity and explore who they are without diverting to a phone or to an iPad. Absolutely. I think, yeah, one of the most disheartening things that I see is when a kid's crying and, and the parent just throws in the iPad to mm. shut them up. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not going to judge that person. It's it's They're doing the best they know with what they've got because it is it is super convenient. We went out for brunch the other day and I just we we're just not on our phones, me and my fiance. We're just not on our phones. Like just go tucked away. We are very present people who are very present in in our environments. And I just we're just having like the funniest conversation. The kids are sharing stories and we have developed this culture of being able to talk over a meal, which I want to be able to have make sure that that gets carried on, that we don't need to have I don't ever have to tell them, please don't bring your phone to the table. They will already know that's just not a rule, it's just not our culture. Yeah, non-negotiable. I love it. Well, what, yeah, what, what do we need it for? The most important people, you know, even now, my phone, on airplane mode, the person who means the most to me know exactly where I am right now, know exactly what I'm doing and know what it means to me so they know that if they can't, they'll get in contact with me once I open up. Other than that, no, nothing else matters to me than, than being here right now and being present. Brilliant. So I need to show that to my kids how to do that because that's so important. In this day and age, when you're being with people, um, go to restaurants. How many restaurants have you seen? People on their phones, relationships, um, you know, dates, people whip out their phone. <laughs> I, can tell, I feel like this is oh. just like <laughs> I covered a, a landmark no, or something. Me mean, mean my partner and we used to do <laughs> something really cheeky because we talk about my mum. She gets really upset about it and I'll be like, I pretend to take a selfie with him and we're taking a photo of people on their phones. Like it's sort of like created this collage of people look here on their date. So I pretend to take a selfie, but I'm really taking a photo of people on their phones going out for dinner, having an expensive meal and whip out comes the phone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I see. I see. See, that stuff is so normal for us. Like just, you know, taking out the phone, mm-hmm. putting it on social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my job done. You know, like, mm. Uh, forget about the, but you're not the being conversation. Present. Yeah, exactly. It, I know it's normal, but you're not being present with that person. Like you actually, you can only know you're being present with someone when the other one acknowledges you're being present with them. 100%. So if I was talking to you right now and I had my phone in my hand, how important do you feel? Not very. Yeah. So imagine do that with a partner. Yes. I will call myself out. I, I'm like one of those people that do I have it. been too. So yeah, I, I just learn. Absolutely. You learn. I'm not yeah. perfect. I did it. I was the parent that had that had the phone while I had my kid. So that's why I can't judge that person who does that because I did it too. What was the turning point for it? Like I just set personal development, learning about being present, yeah, going and having a look at it from an external angle going when I see a mum go out for lunch with their little kid and they're immediately on their phone and I'm like judging it. If I'm judging it, that means that it's in me. Hmm. Oh, why am I looking at – oh, why is that spark something inside me? As soon as you judge something, and I, I put a quote up on the other day, like when you point the finger, three are pointing back at you, which means that you are guilty of it yourself. So have or have been. I love it. And I think because it get it comes down to the fact that you noticed it as well. Like if you're judging it, you've taken the time to acknowledge it. That was that me. And there. I'm like, oh, my God, how bad did that look? <laughs> yeah. Someone could have been judging me or looking at me. Not that I care, once again, don't care what people think, but I care what I think about me. And if I, I 
sort of put myself in that posi- I put myself in that position I go that doesn't look very nice and I'm doing that to my own child and that's what he's seeing what is he seeing while he's like growing and flourishing and observing my behaviors how's he going from that so now we just have like really cool conversations and funny ones because he's got he's really funny to talk with so and I love that I just look at him and I'm just just growing up so quickly so I'm loving these conversations and I hope that they carry on I know that they will carry on as he gets older and as a teenager and as he goes to university because he can tell me anything and everything. Already now he can tell me anything and everything that's personal about him. Yeah, beautiful. Right I, now. I, lo- I love how, yeah, you've stripped it all back. And, and some people might look at that and be like, oh, what, like, what are you doing? Like you don't play Nintendo and those sorts of things. And it just they like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I've, I've, I might get looked upon like, oh, you're strict. I'm like, no, I'm just creating boundaries. Actually, it's their choice. It's my kid's choice, not my choice. They're, they've got switches. We've got a switch at home. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, so it's like, so there's tech, but the choice is obviously yeah. there's Oh, tech. yeah, no, no, we're not like Mormons or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what <laughs> no, I was no, like. No, I was no. like, oh, so it's like literally oh, nothing. no, 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 no. We've got PS5. We've got iPad. We have got a handheld switch. It is their choice. If they want it. They have to somehow earn it. And this is how you teach someone how to have a job because it's their currency, right? They can't make money. They can't They can't get any any cash or they can, pocket money. Now they're into their pocket money. But if they want it, they know they have to earn it. And it could be we'll just set up, what do you think you need to do to earn this? And they decide. So the decision is theirs. I'm not putting down the law and saying you can't have it. I've never said I never like I've never said that to them. Go, you want it, but because they can't be bothered, they'd rather go play snakes and ladders. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. Everyone's a winner, right? Hundred <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. Where so where where are we learning these things? You know, like there's no there's no obviously rule book about parenting or anything. Like, is this just something that you you figured out on a whim? No, I just had really I, I had really good good parenting like from my mum and my dad. They're not together and they could never be in a room together, but I wish they would know how appreciate how much they've instilled into me because I have the traits the traits of my dad and I have the traits of my mum and it's just coupled up so beautifully. It just it didn't work out for them eventually and that's fine and they live separate lives. But I'm so proud that you know, even though they didn't work out, that I worked out because of them. So I take bits and pieces of my childhood that worked and the bits that didn't work and made sure that I don't really put them into my parenting, even though they have come out mm. and they're not nice and um, they're things that I've had to really condition about myself. So by no means am I saying here I'm the perfect parent because I am not. Have I yelled at my child? Absolutely. Have I said the wrong things to him? hundred percent. But I've shown him how to conflict resolute as well, how to say sorry. Yeah, no, so he can see how I'm growing, but he, I can also see how he's growing and I focus on his good and not so much on his bad. And But this is an ongoing process. It's personal development. Parenting is personal development. It's a lot of bit of trial and error as well. I just If your main focus is for your child to flourish and be the best version of themselves, that's what you're always going to default to. That's what you want, so that's what you're going to go to by – Yelling at them, uh, you're not going to get the best out of them. You're projecting your shit onto them. 
100%. But I have to I have to acknowledge that. I have to admit that. It's and I don't know that it's shameful, but then I have to deal with my shame. That's me. And that's what um that I that's what I that's what I work on so that I can be a better parent and that's what being going through the personal development journey has helped me understand that about myself and I'm really glad that I've you know been able to admit shame about things and understand that I can still repair some things. Absolutely. Um, One thing that sticks out to me is the idea of the uh, alcoholic or drunk dad analogy um, Mm -hmm. where a drunk dad or an alcoholic dad and their impact on their kid will be their kid either follows their footsteps and becomes an alcoholic child or they completely neglect it as well. Like that's just one thing that I'm so mindful of and the idea of how – much weight your behavior and your actions and your decisions have on a kid is just tenfold. Yes. That was definitely like a highlight for me this year. And I had to really come in and make sure that my, the values that I want to instill in my son are really strong and really solid and set up really strong foundations so that he takes on, he ultimately will make his own decisions when he's older. So he gets to decide and pick apart which bits are good and which bits are not. But as long as he knows that he's loved and his those needs are met, then my job is done. He just needs to know that he is loved by both parents, his dad, even though we didn't work out. The love that he gets from both parents is enormous and that is what more could you ask for as a child to feel loved and taken care of. Absolutely. It, mm. it comes down to that as well. Like, And I think... Yes, there's idea, the idea of finding your career, finding your, your life and, and really making your mark on the world um, yeah. and parents want that for the kid but how do you achieve all that when, you know, love is not being instilled into the child? Like you need mm. to come back down to the idea of loving this human being and not trying to live through them because you weren't able to yeah. achieve something. Love that- yourself. Love yourself and... Be your own best friend. Treat yourself with a high regard and a high respect, and your child will absorb that, and they will know. They will mirror that. They will action that, and they will be able to love themselves as well. Mm. So that is definitely like key. Love. You've got to learn to love yourself. Once again, that's where I sweep in and I come in, <laughs> <laughs> so and, I, and I assist and I and I assist with uh, self love. Absolutely. As well. Let's take the chance to talk about your coaching. Like what what do you offer? What do you do? What's your practice? What does it look like? Yeah, sure. No worries. I'd love to talk about it. So at the moment, I decided that I would do a six-session package. You can do over fortnightly, weekly. depends on your momentum. Creatives sometimes need two weeks to um, do some action planning. However, I thought I would put together this intro package because a lot of people don't know what coaching is and there's so much confusion about niche coaching and the six-figure coaching and motivational coaching and transformational coaching. So what is sets me apart that is different from other coaches uh, is that my approach is really I will help you. Uh, I, I give you a hug and yell at you at the same time. <laughs> and I don't really yell. <laughs> I have conditioned that about myself now. <laughs> no, don't yell. I don't yell. No, but I'll be like, um, get over yourself 
come on, let's move on because let's let's get rid of the fluffy stuff and let's get to the core just so we can get some traction. Six-week program. I've done it as intro as like I've created an intro price so I've done it that people can just pay off like individually and just do one program because I had so many different things. And then I decided if I ever just do the one, then I can teach people what coaching is. And because I promise 100% money back guarantee if you don't have any transformation or change or mindset or nothing happens, I'll give you money back. But I guarantee from the first session you'll be actioning. Like would you cha- would you be interested if I was to challenge you, Jen, to the six-session challenge? I wouldn't charge you. And I would, yeah, and then we could meet back after the six sessions and you can tell me whether you think what coaching is, what the coaching experience was like. Yeah, we could definitely do that. I just need 45 minutes of your time. We can do it over the phone. We can do video call. I don't care if you do it on the phone. That's even better because there's less data to take in. Mm. When you do in person, when you're doing online, there's a lot of data to take in. Body movements, looking, sound. When you're on the phone, it's just auditory and that's it. And your subconscious can kick in because I want to talk to your subconscious. I don't want to talk to your prefrontal cortex, the one that tries to tell you the lies. Yes, always. <laughs> that bullshits you. <laughs> I don't want to talk to that. I want, And I want you to be present with your subconscious. So we can do 45 minute to an hour. It depends how quickly we get through it. Session, six weeks, you can do it weekly. I have a spot available for you on a Thursday anytime you want. And then you can report back after the sessions and you can like keep keep a journal of it and then you can explain what your experience of coaching with Sandy is like. That might and I make, promise you results. That might make a very good uh podcast episode to it's content unpa- it is content exactly <laughs> it's content. who does well, yeah you get challenged because you can get challenged i could be which obviously i'm not a fitness person right <laughs> but i'm going to try i'm challenging your your mind here i'm taking you to mind gym yeah have you ever been before probably not well here we go Alrighty, we'll have to would you take the, would you take up this challenge yeah let's fucking this do is, it this, this is, is on air as well <laughs> This is oh, well, yeah. Now you have to. So yeah, I love it. Like, and I promise, promise that you will have results. Done, done deal. You can start next week, and this start next week. Yeah, right. of course. Alrighty, start next week, and I'll give you the same time block every single Thursday. Wind, hail, shine, heaven and earth will move. You and me, and I promise in six weeks, or you know, if you want to do a fortnightly, twelve weeks. Done. But for the interest of making things happen, let's do six because why not make it interesting six weeks? Alrighty. Well, we've just, <laughs> just signed myself up for a six-week challenge. Let's, let's go. What does it look like for someone else? So in terms of like where you see – where do you see like the most growth? Have you got any succession stories that you'd like to share? Yeah, I do. I have. What does it look like? Yeah, I definitely have success stories. I have um, my own coach – she couldn't even get behind the <laughs> the camera for socials and now she's on it every single day, maybe three or four or five times a day. Twelve months ago, that was just never happening. Then she even went as far as like I never she never would have gone on socials with a pimple on her face. And now she's like, I don't I don't care because we got her to that point of not giving shit what other people think, getting over herself and establishing what her niche is and um and whatever we were working on, she was able to uh, succeed in that, and so we celebrate. So we celebrate that. Amazing. So it sounds like empowerment. Empowerment. Yes, that is the 
the key theme or the key outcome. Yeah, I'll empower, I'll, I will definitely empower you. Yeah. And do you use particular techniques yep. or... Yeah, I do. Are you going to reveal it on the pod or is this like <laughs> yeah, for sure, me to not? reveal? Or? Well, no, it is – it's not cookie-cutter yes, approach. Absolutely. So it's going to be specific to you. So from our first session, we will work out what area it is that you want to work on and then we go from there and then I will make a program specific to you. So I do have like a signature program which has like the – I guess you could say the core sessions, but if something really sticks out to mine, I might take that out and put something else in. Uh, it comes with uh, we're just talking, questions, you're taking notes, you're taking action. I incorporate some hypnosis. Hypnosis? In, yeah, hypnosis. Same. Self-hypnosis, which is like just meditation. Okay. Yeah, self-meditation. <laughs> when I think of hypnosis, it's like I'm putting not go- me to sleep or something. No. <laughs> I know, and, then that we can, and I can debunk that. You'd be like, I'll, I'll probably do it, and you probably won't even realize that I've done it. Okay. So that does that intrigue you? Yeah, it does. Yeah, a, a and then bit. I'll use some neurolinguistics programming. Uh, what does that mean? Exercise. All right, so I'll give you a really basic example. So neurolinguistics programming is all about behaviors of people of. It's been a study about the people of like who are elite. What are their characteristics, and the language and the way they hold their body and being in rapport. So we're in rapport right now. Look at our feet. Where feet are both crossed. So we are 100% in rapport. But the one thing, I'll give you an example I did today. I put a, I was, did a little video of my dog walking. And just before I got here, I'm like, I'll quickly put something up. And I wrote, don't quit. You know, something motivational. And I went, oh my God, you noob. You're, you practice like neurolinguistics programming. We don't say don't. So what, what don't we want? We, so what's the opposite of don't? quit keep going yes okay <laughs> all right so now i'm like we i never start anything with the word don't i don't use the word don't so we're just changing what we wanted the message to the brain because the brain hears don't quit so it starts to look for evidence for quitting but when you say keep going it starts to look for evidence of keeping going keeping that momentum still the same thing just different words and that's the linguistic part of it so we're just changing how you put sentences together. Absolutely. It's like the skewing um, effect I'm learning in marketing. So yeah. you'd rather buy a packet of beef mince that says 95% fat free or lean meat. And then it's like if it only said 5% fat, then you wouldn't Correct. be inclined to buy it. Yes. I like it. Linguistics is very interesting, actually. It has popped up a few times and I have heard that um, idea of like, you know, negatively skewing things, like don't go and those sorts of things will inherently make you look for things to go. Or, yeah, all those sorts of things. Like the rebel comes out, essentially. Yeah, well, because no one likes being told what to do. Yes. We refer to our inner child like, "Mm, yeah, no. (laughs) So so when you're saying don't, you're actually telling that person to do that thing. Mm. That's the the way the brain works is the neuroplasticity of it. It just says quit or i don't want to i don't want to be poor it hears poor oh i want to make more money in my bank i want to have more money in my bank account so it's like rewiring and rejigging the language that you use to help yourself yeah so that's part of neurolinguistics so i would incorporate that so i would listen to what you say and i'd be like stop let's reword that and be like and then you start to practice it and then your positive um 
mindset starts to kick in because your linguistics starts to change. Mm. But I can only know that when I'm speaking with you. But you might have really good positive self-talk. I don't know. I won't know until we get into the session when we're talking about you and that particular area that we're working on. So that's why it's different for everybody. Mm, Absolutely. Have you ever come across people who have all this positive self-talk but don't necessarily see the results? Mm. Just a curious question. Uh, Yeah, no, not really. No, no. I mean, no. Apart from people who are just like sunshines and rainbows and (laughs) that, you know, yay, life is great. Yay, think positive. Think positive thoughts. not about think think positive thoughts all the time. Not It's not that simple. That's why you need a coach. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, would you say you found something that you love doing? Yeah, I'd do it for free. I would do it for free. And I am doing it for free because I'm doing it for you. Yes, this is true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And when you find something that you would do, do for free, that's your passion. That's what, you know, and, fulf- and fulfills you. Incredible. Mm. I guess when we look back at everything, Mm. what are some of the main themes or key takeaways that you have to find something that you love doing? Yeah, this is where you you need to write things down, what what really makes you happy. Find, you know, um, yeah, you just got to find what you love and see how you can make money out of it, basically. (laughs) That's how you find your passion, like what really lights you up. What makes you feel joy? Sit in that space and see what it feels like. So when I sit in a space of being a leader in hospitality, I'm like, yeah, that's really great. But, you know, put me in a coach and already I'm like, oh, my my physiology inside just already changes. And I'm like, I guess, can you see how I'm lit up? So you just have to sit in a space of what it is that you like doing. You might really like what you're doing, but it doesn't light you up. There's, there's a significant difference. So you really have to meditate on it journal on it which i'm very big on journaling talk to us about a bit about it i'm trying to get into it and journaling yes and i and i have a podcast with alex which will be before yours yeah if i'm not mistaken yeah and that guy's a weapon like the journaling techniques that he was using um you know your classic gratitude but he's got like a notion spreadsheet like Mm -hmm. recapping his life Talk to us a bit about yours. Love that. So mine is uh, journaling and I have a, a passion project at the moment where I've actually um, uh, gone and collabed with an artist and a journaling company so that you can buy your own um, personalised journal with my prompts in it. And I like ex- – uh, the way I like to explain to people who've never done journaling before, journaling is writing a list, it is <laughs> to-do list, it is doing some morning pages – it is um, writing your gratitude. It's a great start. It's a really great start for, for journaling. It is basically getting the loop that is going on in your head, whatever is circling in your head, any deliberation, and just putting it to paper. A deliberation could be a list. What do I need to do? It doesn't have to be big like, what do I have to do? It's just like, oh, I need to clean the house. Oh, I need to make dinner. That's journaling. I'm just trying to make it really simple. Get the loops once you get the, that looping out of your head and put onto paper, it breaks it and you see it. And um, it helped me through when I was going through that personal development. I don't know what you'd call it earlier in the year when I was. The rut. The, the rut, the rock bottom. Yeah. I was doing, um, I call it morning pages. You just wake up, 
you do three pages freestyle call it a, also known as a brain dump <laughs> and just like put your feelings down onto paper so that they wouldn't keep circling so they wouldn't consume you otherwise i would have i would have drowned in my own feelings if i didn't document what was going on have i read it back no will i i might eat i might use it as content mm-hmm. or i can just move on from it and go it, I just did it so that I could get through. Like it, that happened. It didn't feel like it was yeah. working at the time, even though I just knew I had to do it. So I had to trust the process. But now looking back, it's a it's game changer, lifesaver, whatever you're going to call it. If if it wasn't for journaling, um, I I don't think I would have got as far as I have, like so quickly with my, my own personal development as well. Um, when I think of journaling, well, when I used to think of journaling, it was, yeah, yeah very overwhelming. It was like, Dear diary, yeah. this is how I felt today. Yeah. So I have a crush on today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally, it was, it was, it was definitely uh, like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, the idea of incorporating a to-do list, um, I'm starting to write down maybe like a podcast topic that I'd like to talk about or something yeah. that sort of like pops Brainstorming into Brainstorming is still journaling. Absolutely. And I think we, um, well, at least from my perspective, mm. I used to put this sugar coat on it as if it was like, okay, you have to sit down for 15 minutes and really hash out your whole life story for mm. today. And sometimes it's just not there. So a simple to-do list can spark that. And what a way to be productive as well, mm-hmm. having that to-do list. Okay, I can check it off. That's dopamine there, being able to check off, cross off things yeah. physically as well, not just like pressing the reminder app. Like I don't get any satisfaction out of it. It's like, oh, well, it's another thing gone. It's like I can go to TikTok and scroll that and yeah. like get another dopamine hit. But actually crossing it off and being able to say I did that and look back at it, like I don't know. There's just something about it that just sets me on fire. I'm like, yes, like I'm being so productive right now. Yeah, like, you, should never, it off. you should never stop writing. Mm. Never stop writing. Um, you mentioned Ant. Um, the other day we were talking about, uh, I caught up with him. Uh, what a guy. I know. <laughs> I love him. I love you, Ant. <laughs> we love you, Ant. <laughs> he, um, he carries his notebook around and I started, I, I went and bought one. I said, you know what I've done? I've, I've bought myself a little black book and I carry it with me everywhere I go for ideas, contents, the things that come because when you're in car driving, that's when things come to you. And I'm just riding in a traffic light. <laughs> no, don't do that. No. <laughs> don't do that. And you can't do your notes yeah. either. Yeah, exactly. No scrolling. It's and he goes, yeah, and he pulls out and he's got like a he's got like a notebook with him. And I have notebooks galore. And this is why I wanted to create this journal, like a journal which has my prompts, but also has freestyle, so that people could um, just write whatever they whatever they want it doesn't have it's there's no rules there's no spelling rules that's another thing i read back on one of my journals in the other day and i went oh, what does that say like <laughs> you just write and it doesn't you didn't have to like correct yourself at all or even worry about punctuation or mm. being too perfect with it i think is like, definitely don't be perfect yeah it's one of those things where i was like that. oh like oh, the margins have to be right. You know, if my handwriting looks neat, oh, God, I'll rip that page out, start again. And it's just like, why are you creating so many barriers and obstacles for yourself to just write your thoughts out? Like, just no a- one has to read it. No, no one has to read it. And and who cares if they do? Whatever. Like, it's interesting. It might be interesting to someone. It might not. No one, no one cares. No one really cares. You just write. And then once you get comfortable with, like, your own thoughts, it, you stop yourself because you're scared of what's going to come out. That's where the gold is. If you're scared to write something down – you need to address that. You need to put it onto paper so you can see it. And you will start writing to yourself. And that's how I actually, how I came up with Get Up and Show Up, which is the name of my program, was when I was going through that really tough time, I said, 
I still get up and I still show up. And I write, get up and show up. And I remember it in like capital letters. And I've just used that as my mantra throughout the whole year, getting up and showing up for anything, no matter what's going on. Even going for a nap is still going to get up and show up because you're just rejuvenating yourself for the next level. Yeah, I love that. I saw a reel uh, on Instagram and it was, oh my God, I forget his name. Anyway, uh, he was talking about how you know, like success like doesn't wait for you. All those, you know, very cliche and stuff, but hmm. the reel centralized around the idea of, you know, like you don't need a perfect morning routine. Um, you don't need to, you know, have your cold exposure, your 15 minutes of sunlight in the morning, then your caffeine 90 minutes after you've woken up, then the meal and everything. And you, like, there's so many steps to that. Like things don't wait for you and success does not wait for you. So just like get up and, and do it, get up and show up. And I think, yeah, it translates really heavily into journaling. It's like, just, just do it essentially. Um, yeah. it's not gonna going. do it yeah exactly it's not gonna do itself yeah it's not gonna start magically writing things down on the page yeah. nor is things like chasing your passion chasing your dreams chasing something that you mm. like yeah. the more you sit on it the further and further away it gets from you um and i love that so much i wanted to ask as well what what's your favorite prompt out of your template oh if you could pick one I can't remember them off my off by heart because I use the Kaizen philosophy actually, um, which is making small increments um, to. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Kaizen philosophies, Japanese philosophy, about making it, yes. small changes to make really big changes. So I incorporated that, and because I've done it so long ago, because it's working progress, I can't remember the specific prompt, but I wanted to talk to you about if the, about the morning. Um, routine that you just talked about, how someone, you know, the cold exposure that when you look at it and go, oh, that is very daunting to anyone who's like, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. When I came into that, when I really wanted to incorporate a morning routine, I realized that I had to take on Kaizen and go, all right, I'm just going to practice waking up 15 minutes earlier and let's just do that. And it's just me having coffee and listening to a guided meditation. That's all I have to do for a week, two weeks, whatever. And then when I started to do that, then I could start adding another layer. And I'm like, all right, well, now I'm going to write some gratitude. So then I would wake up early, listen to the music, and then I would do the journaling or whatever it was. Then I started to do that. Then everything started to become auto. And then I started to layer it. And every week or so, I would like add on another thing. And then sometimes depending on the morning, I can't do all of them. So I would just go, all right, I really have to think about what's the priority. Is it journaling or can I do that bit later? It doesn't have to be in the morning. Is meditation more important right now or is my 100 sit-ups more important? Like it, when am I – you have to start prioritising if your morning looks different. Absolutely. And because social media is so like, well, you have to do this. Like this is the best way to do it. You start adding like <laughs> – like five to ten different things on your morning to-do list and it's like by the time you've ticked all that off it's two hours into the day and that could be two hours spent working or yeah. doing something yeah. and getting closer to your goals yeah and that was the preface of the reel as well that's, well that's right and but you need to that's the value of that person that's what they want to do exactly that's why they do that is that your value well it could be might not be 
But if it, if it isn't, then of course that's not going to make sense to you. Absolutely. It resonated deeply with me because it was like, well, yeah, I was taking so long in the morning to like get all this stuff done. Mm. And I could have watched a lecture by that, that point, you know, like I could have, or I could have edited a podcast or a clip or a reel, like um, two weeks ago from when we were, when we are recording this, Yeah, I was just in a rut with editing because I just wouldn't show up and I'd procrastinate it further and further but it's like i needed to get that done and it's like just show up and do it yeah and showing up for yourself and yeah so well done for doing that it is hard being in that rut and i've recently just come out of a rut a month and a half where i had to show up and people were telling me oh you're doing so well blah blah blah. i'm like inside i'm dying i'm like i'm so tired i am exhausted I'm emotionally spent. I don't even know why I'm feeling like this, but I still showed up. So exterior, everyone could see it, um, but I was still doing some internal work or figuring things out. And then when I come out of it, I can talk about it and go, yeah, it was. that's just the whole part of showing up is that sometimes you just have to – I'm here to serve. So I have to be able to help people and, yes, yeah, put my get over myself and then I'm like, do the work. Promise that I'm going to do the work on myself and that's where I use my mornings. Right? My mornings are about what's going on. What's the actual, what's the external that's, you know, bothering me right now so that I can journal about it and like, oh, I have a chat with myself. I'm like going, oh, and then I put rules around it. All right, well, if that bothers you, don't do this anymore. Stop doing that and then put a, like put some non-negotiables. And I'm like, and I'm like oh, oh, okay, Sandra, <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, and then I'm like, it's in my subconscious. I'm like... That's how I learn about myself. Absolutely. Um, Sandy, it's been an absolute honour. Um, oh, for me. <laughs> no, for me. For me. For, me. <laughs> for both of us yeah, to absolutely. finally have met and um, discussed your life yeah. and what you're doing at the moment. I've really enjoyed hearing from you and, and actually getting to meet you and, and getting to know you about who you are, what you're about, mm. what coaching is as well and dispelling like – misconceptions and, and yeah. finally like clearing the air a little bit yeah or not a little bit you did clear the air like Hopefully. it makes more sense <laughs> a coach is someone that progresses someone further there we go that's my takeaway yeah that's right yeah exactly Absolutely. and even the best in the world have coaches exactly um and the idea of yeah like the, the best in the world do have coaches but also mm. we, we talked about parenting we talked about journaling we talked about everything yeah thank I you loved it. oh the opportunity thank you so much i'm so 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 grateful for this opportunity uh to be a guest on this podcast i absolutely love the content that is coming through and i have to say that i was really intimidated by the fact that you've had some really like muscly people like gym people and i'm like i don't belong on this podcast like i did have self-doubt 100 percent, i did and i'm like what am i going to be talking about like these people got these stories and they're so young and they're already got their lives in order and i've only just got got mine and i'm like do you know what i might not be able to flex physically but i know that i've got a mental flex that i have worked really hard on so the opportunity to show that um in this podcast i'm eternally grateful and i hope that the listeners out there will be able to take at least one nugget of something that i've said to help them progress further and of course i'm available for our coaching as well yes your links will be in the show notes below yeah thank you i want to add on to that as well and um preface that yeah if you do think that you aren't meeting a certain criteria in terms of coming onto this podcast and sharing your story 
please don't feel that way at all. Um, yeah. I think everyone has a story to tell. Uh, everyone has they a do. story to share. And uh, this is a welcoming platform for people to come on and discuss and, and talk about these sorts of things. And yeah. there's some content coming along that will hopefully be really exciting. Um, I'm just about to finish university, which is like, crazy to say that we've gotten to this position yeah. <laughs> in the first place i'd say that as if i'm a drop kick but i'm <laughs> <I know>. st- <laughs> there we gotta work on your self-talk oh, okay. yes, <laughs> no i said i said i say that as if like i, I know that i'm not and i know Good. that i can apply myself yeah. but um yeah uni hasn't been the best time for me if i'm being completely honest yeah i've met some incredible people don't get me wrong but i think the whole narrative and the the sell or the sale of university being some of the best or the best place to be. I just I just don't agree with it. I'm not going to lie. Um, That's interesting because <laughs> I think that certain people like yourself, creatives, are meant for more. Uh, you're meant for more. I already know that. <laughs> don't tell me that. I'm lying. Li- no, I'm, I'm not trying to um, put myself out there as if like, oh, like I'm better than all these people, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm definitely not saying that. But I just want people to listen to this podcast and feel that, yeah, you know, if there's something out there that you want to pursue, something out there that you feel like things like university or expectations or judgment from other people is holding you back from actually accomplishing, um, have a second thought or have a have a look within and reach out to people like Sandy or reach out to yeah. uh, people like myself and share that story and, and really mm. talk to people and hold yourself accountable to actually achieving that. Um I think we're so privileged to live in Australia and wherever you're listening um, and we're just in like a really good place uh, in terms of opportunities. Oh, like you would not, like you wouldn't believe, like you wouldn't believe. So absolutely. Please. Very abundant. Absolutely. So please make the absolute most of it. Um, Sandy, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you, Jaden. I've absolutely loved it. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear it back. It'll be so good. Um, Be sure to follow at Life With Land Podcast and we'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah. See ya. See ya.